Without a ball, it's just a court. And without your spirit, it's only a game. So, together with the fans, we bring our best. For your next pregame, let's share a twist on a classic. The Hennessy Margarita. A squeeze of fresh lime juice and a bit of agave syrup. Topped off with ice and a salted rim. Mix it, shake it, pour it. And enjoy the spirit of the NBA. Hennessy. Without your spirit, it's only a game. 21 and older, please drink responsibly. What's up, y'all? Welcome back to another special episode of Point Forward, the podcast. Myself, Andrea Godala, with my guy, Evan Marcel Turner. Yo, yo, what's up, Dre? So last week we had D-Wade on the show. We were talking about the, you know, the all-in-one and everything. And this past weekend, you sent me a video, Admit Progress. I'm not a hole in one, but a beautiful shot nonetheless. I think you told me it was going to be a birdie, and it turned out to be an eagle, correct? You almost there. It was an eagle that was a birdie. Almost eagle, but then it was a birdie. So the video I sent you uh, was a drive that it was, it was, I sprayed it right, but I was in a fairway over it, and I had an incredible shot on a par five from like 220 out, landed on the green. And I had an eagle putt, just missed, and then tap in for birdie. So, and it was the 18th hole. It's a way to go home. Hey, man, it keeps you honest, right? I guess so. I don't play golf as much anymore. I'm like busy now, so sad. Point forward. This is Andre Iguodala. This is Evan Turner. We're trying to get to the true essence of not just basketball, but life, and that means something, something, something. It is like a finger pointing away to the moon. Don't concentrate on the finger or you will miss all that heavenly glory. That level of understanding has been taken out of the game. All right, so ET, as we've been talking about expansion, we can know how the NBA has instituted the in-season tournament as a way to expand um, interest, excitement into the early part of the season, which was the main point of it all, I think. And guys have been incentivized to take games in November, December. I hate that narrative. It's so annoying. It's so annoying. Because everyone understands how important it is to get off to a good start. If you're a great team, you need to get off a good start to make your position to be the number one seed. If you're one of the teams that's on the outside looking in, everyone's at zero, zero. You can catch a wave early, get off to a hot start, morale's up, get some confidence. Like no one wants to be checking out in January. No one does. I don't know who does, unless you got one of those bad teams, but it's only four or five of them. And so it's annoying with the narrative that games in – November, early December don't matter. Like, I never viewed it like that. I I hope that isn't how the game is viewed. I don't see it as like that. Like, most cats are trying to make the all-star game. Like, I got time to make it this year. Like, if I get off to a good start, I can can get some accolades. Yeah, and and true, I I think that as well. But, like, this is another conversation where I think, um, you know, sometimes, like, the experts get drowned down in a sense. And the experts are probably the guys in the locker room that are actually part of the game. Even when you look at the people in the front office, they're good with numbers and things like that, but they're not experts in basketball. They don't really understand basketball talk because you're not doing it every single day. You might be doing basketball-related things. I think sometimes, you know, with that is like, that was just a negative narrative, negative narrative that 
that that was brought to light. So we're sitting here, there's a bunch of people saying like, so kids can take advantage of the game and take December very seriously. It's like, who sat here and said we never took it very serious? Whoever right. thought that literally has never been in locker room. Right. You understand what I'm saying? Or like, when it's coming down to it, you said people aren't taking it serious and not change the rules or change the narrative, but like, all right, let's do stuff that doesn't saturate the game down. You know what I mean? Or like, yeah. fuck, fuck up the mission and everything. But we're, we're sitting here trying to build stuff and acting like guys don't care. Like, no, y'all trying to build teams in Detroit. In December, it might look like they suck and they might be giving up, but that's, that's the route of, you know, the result of trying to rebuild, being able to take assets, build towards the future and play and manipulate the game. Back in the day, it was all about this competition. Now it's about everything besides, you know, when, when it's coming down to just being, uh, Social media wise and all this stuff to try to build a game is, 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 is chess moves that are really going into it. And I think sometimes the result of this is the NBA playing tournament to make it seem like we don't care about the game. Like we don't give a damn about the game or we're trying to force players to play. And that's that's not the case. Yeah, it, it's pretty wild. But the NBA has always been smart about, you know, monetizing every part of the game. And so I think it was a, I always thought it was a cool idea. I just didn't like the narrative behind why. Just say, hey, y'all ain't really watching as actively as we would like for y'all to. So we're going to put this in-season tournament in. It's kind of like soccer, in-season cup. All right, cool. It's dope. You know how much money that's being made off this? Like, it's super dope. Now, I just never wanted it to be more important than the finals. Finals is always the golden standard. Make that the golden standard. And so... You got more participation in terms of the viewer, and this ga- this gambling thing is at the center of everything in terms of how you're making money. How all the money that all these um, gambling platforms are spending money on uh, customer acquisition costs are super high. Uh, that really means that there's um, there's a real there's real value behind gambling, and so that leads me to DraftKings. In-season tournament MVP odds and in-season tournament uh, champion odds, which is super interesting to see who's moving up, who's moving down. Obviously, Jokic, Tatum, uh, Doncic, Giannis were the top four. But I, there's been some movement. Jokic has moved up the ladder. He's he's distanced himself further to uh, the leader of the pack. Uh, Tatum is around the same. Uh, he's moved up, but he's still two. Doncic moved up ahead of Giannis. Luca did. Uh, Steph jumped. Dame jumped interestingly, but I haven't seen how the last week has affected this because they took a couple bad losses. Like Milwaukee's had some interesting games this year. They had yeah. big wins and like really bad losses. Probably the most interesting two names I see, maybe three names. Jalen Brunson's moved up to 10. Donovan Mitchell's moved up to 11th, and Trey Young is up there. Tyrese Harlow been moved up a lot, but we know Tyrese. Uh, but Jalen Brunson been hooping. Yeah, I think one thing with the Knicks and everybody being on their ass and everything, but there have been a lot of close games, and Julius Randle's only shooting like 28%. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, like, so literally, they, they if you didn't pitch a bit the other night, they probably could have beat Milwaukee. You know what I mean? Like, they messed up on the last play, but he's five for 20. He hasn't even started to shoot well yet. Now, I don't know how it's going to fare well versus like the stars, but I think when it's coming down to it, in those little situational games, it's not so much a sprint, more so than a, a tone you set. I don't know. I, I, I like 
I just feel like, uh, you know, with Tibbs and dealing with those guys, anything is possible in the sense of uh, trying to win, you know, four or five games. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, well, a single elimination, which makes it more open yeah. for a team to win. Um, the uh, the odds to turn up teams, it's uh, Denver followed by Boston, Milwaukee, then the Warriors are at four. The Warriors got off to a really hot start. Phoenix just dropped off. The Lakers have dropped off. Philly has dropped off. Philly has some good games and then some really bad games. Uh, yeah. the, the Heat have dropped off. Brooklyn's moved up. Yeah. Um, but I feel like anybody can get high. Remember back in the day, like Atlanta? Uh, Atlanta would go on like a 19-game winning streak. Or Houston one year. Yeah, Houston yeah, had like Aaron yeah. Brooks one year. They went on like yeah, a 15-game, 17-game yeah. winning streak, right? So it's all about timing, get hot. And uh, I feel like that's really going to have these bets really popping because a single game elimination and anything can happen. Yeah, that's real. But I, to be honest with you, you can say Denver, man. I got the Celtics on it, bro. They're too, they're too loaded. Oh, they got the, they got the same odd. No, yeah. Denver's Denver slightly above them. That ain't this ain't me saying it. This is draft. No, no, no. I'm doing D. I'm just saying in general. Like I'm going with the killers. Like you, they got four straight killers in this early in season tournament. They're the most ready team, in my personal opinion. Like they're they're all connected right now. And they're undefeated. What are they? Seven seven oh eight and oh. Oh, Boston ain't lost yet. Yeah, Boston ain't lost yet, bro. Boys ain't fucking around, bro. Tatum getting 30 every night. You know, Tatum cold, man. Every... Yeah, and then, bro, Drew almost got triple-double the other night. Like, it's a joke. Derek, and, and Derek White, like, yeah, bro, it's a joke, man. If I stop, let me make a bet. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know what? I will say, what? I've, been, I've been watching uh, that. How long we been in the playing, playing games? It's been two years? Three, three years. years. Three years, probably. And LeBron been in a lot of playing games thus far, and they always find a way to win. Yeah, I mean, because at the end of the day, it's like what Brian said the one time. Like, shoot, when they were talking about him coming in uh, versus Pacers and possibly giving up home court advantage back in the day, he's like, bro, if I'm coming into your building, you're going to have a problem on your hands. I don't know <laughs> what you're talking about. And when I walk into your building, I care about home court advantage, playing game, whatever. Like, no, bro, that's Brian. Like, only if, only person that – if Steph Curry can't take him out of the playoff game, nobody can take him off in the playoff game. Like, you know what I mean? What my man saying coming to America? What? He ain't lying. <laughs> yeah, man. Hey, man. <laughs> You're not lying, G. Oh, my God, man. That man a problem, man. That man is a problem. Sometimes – I'm not going to call him a GOAT, but, like, I'll be sounding dumb not doing it. That's for sure. No, nah, there's nobody in our time that can really beat him. If it's like one game to win, like in a series, in the series, you can, you know, I'll figure out a way to scheme on them and we'll, 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 we'll take, we'll, we'll take a couple of and you give, lie. And you give me Kevin Durant, I'm going to take out some guys. I'm going to be completely honest with you. Oh, one it's, it's game step, with, with Brian now, I feel like one, if this right land, I feel, I like taking Brian out in one game now I think about it. A week worth? Man, you're going to come back walking different, bro. Fall. That is a you great could, take. Think about it. Like, now, there's one where I just randomly stun them cool, but you heard what Jeff T said when they got into it in the playoffs. Like, he, he tried to kill Del Dodoma. He's like, this all this this all night. It's going to be a bad night. LeBron is like, can you outscore me, though? That was one game. He's like, can you outscore me for a week? So if you could do that, go ahead. He said, LeBron averaged 38. He averaged 18. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Yeah, score me for a week. And I think that was the that was the greatness of Steph. 
Steph can mm-hmm. actually outscore. He'll, he'll catch a hot two weeks, and he'll outscore you for two weeks. And, and KD yeah. gonna outscore you, period. Every if he's in a good mood, if KD in a good mood, we got problems. Wow. No, that's lit, bro. That's still <laughs> bogus, bro. Shout out to the them two championships, but Steph could have did it by himself. Like, mess, like I hate even bringing it up, but goddamn, Steph ain't need that man, bro. Man, stop acting like Kyrie ain't like that. And it's looking like Kyrie might be cooking up something right now. He came back this past week. It's good to see him back on the court. But that's if Lucas they keep, team. if they, Don't do if that. they keep, Lucas if they, all right, cool. We, you can have that opinion, but as long as he's staying in that corner, you keep your eyes open on the flight on the one way. Further west, from what you. they say, and shout out to Grant Williams, he's doing his thing. Fifteen a game, cooking. Shout out to Grant Williams, that shit yes. looks terrible. But it's all <laughs> adore. I can't. It's like he <laughs> run like he doodling, but he's scoring like every time. G, shout out to Grant Williams, man, love it. And I will say this, man, your man was on his ass when they played Draymond. Now he might not have better years than Draymond. But overall, like, skill-wise and statistically, I think he'll blow Draymond out the water. Just with in shooting. Of, in terms of what? Just, like, just scoring. I'm just saying being able to score, like. Yeah, scoring, but he will never have a, a, be as impactful. Yeah, true. I, I mean, you got to win to say that, bro. Like, at the end of the day, bro, we all look at shit. Way I feel different, like bro. if like, he you know would have stayed, like, I feel like he would have stayed in Boston. Yeah. He would have had an opportunity to have a similar effect. Yeah. But he would have had to take a lot it's only it's we've yeah. seen the last we've seen the last of guys having an impact and be able to get paid the way that Draymond has yeah you're right and so going forward you can be as impactful but they don't want to pay that like they don't honor that so it was he's the last of a dying breed that's real so would you name your unborn child Draymond all right what we'll ended here what are, what are the current odds on <laughs> what ended here This preview was brought to you by DraftKings. Point forward. Our next guest on the show is a gentleman I've been battling against throughout our careers over a decade. Most folks know him for doing a lot of the blue collar work while he was in the NBA, uh, which earned him the respect that he still has up to this point with all his endeavors, uh, not just from a basketball standpoint, but from a media standpoint. But after this episode, I feel like you're really going to respect him more as a man and as a father. Won't try to really, really dive in on this conversation we have with All The Smoke co-host, Matthew Barnes. What's up, y'all? Welcome back to another episode of Point Forward Podcast. Myself, Andre Godala, my main man, Evan Turner. Uh, today, uh, yes, um, when you talk about how we got here as Point Forward, uh, the inspiration, you know, uh, the trailblazers uh, who have... Uh, laid the tracks on athletes and their voices and bringing out a different voice on the, with their guests. Uh, we can look uh, no further than uh, this gentleman and his co-host of the All The Smoke podcast, uh, Matt Barnes. Appreciate you for pulling up. Man, thank you guys for having me. I appreciate that. No doubt. So, um, yeah, man, like as I said in the in, kind of the intro, I guess you can say, you know, you guys are the trailblazers in terms of the success that you've had and the guests that you've had from all walks of life. So can you walk us back and tell us, like, how did you 
Like, how did you how even did get started, there? And, huh? and then how did you even, did you think it would be this big? No, I mean, I didn't, to be honest, Drew, I didn't know what a podcast was when I pitched it to Jack. I just knew we were both kind of, I was just transitioning, uh, you know, from playing with you guys and, 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 and calling it a career. Jack had been out maybe two years. We were both doing ESPN and Fox, and people were liking our kind of no-holes-barred truth, you know what I mean? Just kind of, it was like it's refreshing the way you guys talk about the game, and Kept getting a lot of feedback. You guys should start doing stuff to get, do something together. And I'm just like, okay, what can we do? Um, we were at my house in the Bay one time, uh, fellowshipping, uh, you know, relaxing, watching the game. I was just like, let's do a podcast. He was like, what's a podcast? I was like, I don't know, but we can smoke and drink and cuss because you know, with the, <laughs> you know, the platforms with Fox and ESPN respectively, there's there's a type of line you have to walk. And although I like talking to that audience, I also like to talk to the homies. A man cave. When I pitched this idea to the people at Showtime, I was just like, you know, I want to put a camera on a man cave conversation or a barbershop conversation because I feel like no matter if you're an athlete, celebrity, regular person, those are the best conversations. Um, so we went it, went at it and, you know, blindly kind of figuring out what it is. And, you know, lo and behold, our first year, we won Sports Podcast of the Year, had an amazing track of guests. And from there, I've just been kind of learning and navigating the space. And, you know, the, I think probably the coolest thing from this is like you said, like we've encouraged more guys to speak their mind. Mm -hmm. You know, you look at your, you look at your, you, you look at your teammate Draymond Green. You mm -hmm. look at Paul George. You look at uh, Jeff Teague is a new nut on the yeah, scene, yeah, talking yeah, crazy. crazy. You know, crazy. Iman Shumpert, yep. JJ Redick. Yeah. The list goes on. And you know what I've kind of seen is kind of a shift in kind of the matrix as far as how people want to receive their news, or particularly mm -hmm. sports news, mm -hmm. and. You know, although it's great, I work for ESPN. I've done it for a handful of years, and I, I think it's a, an amazing platform. You don't necessarily need those huge machines behind you anymore to get your point across because at the end of the day, fans want to hear what we have to say. They want to know what it's like to win four championships. And as great as Stephen A. Smith is, they can't. he can't tell you what it's like to win or what is, what is it like to do this, this, and that. So they they want to know how we feel in those moments and, and those experiences. So... I say all that to say, like, it, it's been a blessing, you know, shout out Q Miles and uh, D Miles and Q Rich, you know, I, mm -hmm. I kind of feel like the knuckleheads yes. started it and then we came and kind of took it to, you know, a new level and, and I love all the, you know, it, it's a crowded space now. It, yeah. it used to be kind of an empty pool, now it's a, it's, it's a crowded pool, so... Yeah. You know, my job and what I've been smoking and praying on is how do we take this to the next level? You know, so that's what I'm kind of trying to figure out right now in our, in our off season. And with the name, you know, all the smoke. Um, the logo lit too. Yeah, like logo the crazy. logo's logo yeah. crazy. Shout out my sister. My sister came up with the name. So I, I, I put it out to the fans like, you know, me and Jack are doing a podcast. I'll give $2,500 to whoever comes up with the name. And my sister came up with the name, and she asked where her money was. I was like, "Your car sitting outside of your house." I already <laughs> no, paid for real, that. So you're good. But no, no, shout out to my sister because she came up with the name. Hennessy and Mitchell and Ness have come together for the ultimate drop, a limited edition collection to celebrate Hennessy's continued partnership with the NBA. Because some things just go together, like Evan and myself. Hey man, man, remember when we met back in the day at Tim Grover's attack facility? Mm -hmm. I think it was like 08. I was finishing up my freshman year, and you were about to prepare to get that bag, right? Yes, my extension year. We met in 08. In 2010, we fast-forward to be each other's teammates. Mm -hmm. I obviously thought I was better than you. Then the first day of practice, I go baseline. And you, you Brian blocked my shot before That was Brian. a good block, G. <laughs> bro, I remember that, that. Bro, that was an amazing block. I'm looking like, bro, what just happened back there? And then I'm like, thinking to, like talking to my agent, like, bro, you just said I was better than this dude? <laughs> Look. 
On the court, you're surrounded by a collection of personalities, egos, and talent. But when the pieces come together, that's when you form a great team. The same thing is true when you mix a great drink. Different ingredients come together for the first time, complementing one another to make something out of this world. And beyond the drinks, this drop with Hennessy and Mitchell and Ness celebrates the intersection of basketball with art, music, and fashion. Elements of culture that represent ways the fans and players pay homage to the game. The exclusive collection will have a limited drop available for both in retail and online. Check out at Hennessy US on Instagram for more information. Hennessy, without your spirit, it's only a game. 21 and older, please drink responsibly. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. No, but, but with the name, it was like perfect timing too. Yeah. Because as you know, as an athlete... It was looked upon. It was frowned upon. Yeah. You know, any anything you know, marijuana based. And now we're seeing that the trends change in terms of the health benefits from it. Uh, although I did see something today or yesterday that said uh, it was worse than cigarettes. But it all depends on who's putting out this information, right? But uh, I said all to say, you know, the timing has been incredible in terms of the acceptance and it's been embraced. And and so how do you look at the name and how people see? marijuana now and how you can leverage that into not just, you know, a free, uh, free speaking environment, but also you can turn it into a business. Yeah. I mean, I love it, Drake, to be honest with you. And it, it, it it's something that, you know, sub, you know, kind of just, it's been in the making to be honest with you. Like I, not, not nothing I'm proud of, but I found cannabis at 14 and I had a really tough upbringing. And at the time when I smoked it, it was just I knew it allowed me to relax, allowed me to sleep, it allowed me to focus and kind of shut off the rest of the world. So it was something early on that I tried, and 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 it was for me. So I mean, tell you through high school, through UCLA, through 15 years of professional basketball, like I used cannabis. You know what I mean? So you know when I first came in the league in. 2002, 2003, 2004, I think maybe to 2005, 2006, like we used to get one preseason test and the rest of the time it was, you know, it, it, it was do what you do. You know, we're not going to promote it, but we're not going to test you for it. You know, fast forward a few years after that, you know, baseball's, you know, steroid heavy and, and, and football's having issues and what can we get basketball players on? Because we're not really pill poppers. We're not really out there. And those dudes can still smoke weed right. and everything during yeah. the season. Yeah, it's crazy because yeah, they got that one preseason yeah, test, yeah, you know, wild. so what are, what, are, what, are, what are these athletes in the NBA doing? I think they're smoking weed. And and to be honest with you, Dre, and I don't think it's no secret no more, it's 
70 percent probably dudes i know in my era i'm not sure about this new young era but i know probably 70 75 percent of guys were using and consuming and you know me particularly like i'm not a big drinker i'll socially drink painkillers upset my stomach to you know one vicodin upset my stomach so i just always found peace and 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 and, and support and 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 relief from cannabis so what was it like the Response like from the higher up. You pitched. Uh, you spoke earlier. You did a twenty-minute pitch on all the smoke, and at that time, like even five years ago, people were messing with marijuana. Yeah. But it's kind of like, eh, yeah. you're trying to still have a you know someone NBA career mm-hmm. and also not only push this out your living room, but onto yeah. you know into the media and they, onto yeah. a big platform like Showtime, which is crazy. It wasn't. They weren't ready for it at the time. I'm mean, like, they loved the idea, but you know, I, I remember we did our first media shoot day and we smoked the whole entire time. And I think at the time it was Viacom. Well, Showtime was under the Viacom umbrella, and it just at the top, it wouldn't get clearance. So maybe mm. for like the first season, it was all the smoke, and we would just smoke before and after. Um, but I think I forgot who broke the broke the seal, but I think it was maybe Snoop. Where Snoop, uh, he cracked the code for like uh, man, years. come on, man, he's, he's, he's cracked the code for everybody. But I think you know he sat there and smoked two, three, four uh, big old blunts, and I'm just like, fuck it, let's do it. And you know we both we we started smoking, uh, and it was kind of cool. So we just kind of understood that you know obviously if you have a current athlete or a former athlete on, that's not someone you smoke with. But you kind of pick and choose who we smoke with, and. You know, from there, it kind of just slowly but surely became acceptable. And it was just like, cool. You ever so. smoke, smoke too much where it kind of like messed up the show? You're like, shh, uh, shit, I, I'm always <laughs> trying to, <laughs> to, to I always try to be self-aware because I know myself really well. And I know I can get blowed and just kind of zone out. And it was funny that Stack, my guy, and I love him. And we've had this real conversation. Jack would smoke too much sometimes. And we, <laughs> and, we, and we would go back on the edits and see this motherfucker dozing off or kind of just in a zone. And I'm Talk like, I was like, Jack, it's just like, you know, moderation, moderation. So, you know, again, because like I said, if we're free flowing, you know, if you're around dudes are smoking next thing you're laughing joking next thing someone's knocked out you know i mean that's just how you know someone sleeps so you know it was just kind of had to learn ourselves and understand that we still had to represent our brand ourselves and in the conversation and respect who our guests were and um you know we learned it and it, it, it's been fun so with the representation it's one thing to represent yourself but we're all fathers and everything like that sometimes you might have your own personal opinion and how you represent yourself for the world but when you go home and everything and the conversation of, you know, it's a tough conversation what everybody's going to have with marijuana user and kind of explaining to your child of like, this is the way I went. Mm-hmm. Like, do you ever have any hesitancies or are you like, you understand it fully and like, yo, just so y'all know, like I was 14, I did this. Are you like, I'm going to beat your ass if I catch you using yeah, like, my so money it's, about it's, weed? I mean, it's to me, and as fathers today, we know we have to prepare our kids the best we can because we never had the internet at the palm of our hands. So we don't know what they're seeing, doing, all this other kind of shit. So we just have to prepare them the best we can. And I feel like when I retired in 2017, the boys were nine. And the first time they saw, because I'd always hit it from them up until that point, and they saw me smoking one night when I put them to bed. I was down by the pool smoking, and they came down the next day, and they had just happened to learn, like they were talking about smoking cigarettes in class. And they're like, Dad, you know if you smoke cigarettes, your lungs are going to, like literally the next day. And I'm like, fuck, do I lie to them, or do I tell them I was smoking a joint and tell them why? So I thought, and I'm just like, I'm going to tell them the truth. So I'm sitting two nine-year-old boys down who are super curious. I'm like... That's not a cigarette. That was a joint. And like, well, what's a joint? And I'm just like, well, you know how daddy's played basketball for a long time and my knees and my ankles, my back are sore sometimes. You know, I don't really like to drink. 
I don't like when I take painkillers, they hurt my stomach. So I'll smoke a joint and it'll help me sleep and it'll help me relieve the pain from my body. And they're like, oh, okay. And then one of the twins, Carter's like, well, dad, I just sprained my ankle. When can I smoke? And I'm like, oh, <laughs> shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? So this kid is nine, but I kind of felt like, and I told him, you got to be older. And they're like, older like you? I'm like, yeah, you got to be at least 30, you know? But I just kind of feel like, I'd rather be proactive than reactive in not only the cannabis discussion, but the sex discussion. My kids are going to be freshmen in high school now. So we've had the, I had to buy them condoms the other day and I was so conflicted, like what the fuck am I doing? They're 14. But at the same time, like I know they're, to that point, if they haven't done it, it's really close. So I'd rather yeah, than good, be yeah, yeah. right. I'd rather you know. I'm I'm 43. <laughs> I'm not ready to be a grandfather. You know what I mean? I still got six kids between four and 14. So it's just like again, I'd rather be proactive than reactive. And I respect every parent's approach to it. But we seen euphoria, right? You know what I mean? So I exactly. <laughs> I just want to be ahead of the game, and 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 it's so real. Like we've had conversations not even too long ago. It's just like you know when, uh, and I brought it to them. I was like, whenever you guys are ready to smoke, let me know because you're gonna. I'll smoke with you first. You know what I mean? Because I want you to know how you're going to feel what is it going to feel like what's it going to do to you you have to kind of micro dose yourself because in the next two years they're going to be with their friends at parties doing god knows what you know what i mean so again i just kind of always want to prepare them i'm not it's weird because some people say like why are you doing this but again the way the world moves and how fast they are now like i said i'd rather be proactive than reactive i mean that that right there is a, a lesson in itself you know because i think a lot of us try to figure out different ways yeah. to get to our kids and I know like this is Uncle Evan to my mm -hmm. kids and a few times I couldn't get through to my son I'm like man call your Uncle Evan hey man, Evan call this dude man and yeah. it, it, and it's like sometimes you 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 can it's okay to say you don't know yeah and so, or you don't know but but I was as we all know as fathers like I could be saying something you could be saying something and it comes from Evan Turner or Steph Curry or yeah. or KD and it's just like oh shit I'm like motherfucker I just told you that that's been happening you know what a lot I mean? of so it's just like <laughs> sometimes it's just a different voice so I just I, I think it's all about your approach and your delivery you know what I mean I'm never yeah. trying to scold or listen yeah. I did this so you can't do that like I feel like with my kids, I'm evolving as well because this new world is nuts. Like, their generation is crazy. You know what I mean? So right. instead of trying to be, this is how we did it, like, I have to find that thin line between, shit, dad, I coach too, but then also giving them game in life. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to switch subjects, but it's, it's very similar to the boys. How does it feel when you have, like, cultural icons speaking on your name? You know, like Kanye West. Mm. Yeah, you know, he has a song called 30 Hours. It's one of my favorite <laughs> songs, right? right? And we everyone knows, you know, I'm not yeah. asking to relive yeah, that yeah, moment, yeah. but, you know, how... It's an honorable moment. That's what I shit. thought. Like, <laughs> that that, that, that moment honor, should be, like, illuminated. <laughs> like, legit. Like, to all you goofies that break bread with niggas and <laughs> act like you done forgot, like, no, nah, that, that shit ain't cool. It's just the code, that's it. It's the code. Yeah, uh, yeah talk that shit, though, L. My fault. I'm just nah, saying. No, 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 no. Like, we're, 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 we're all on the same accord, but I yeah. just, in terms of, you know, just being like, you were part of, like, a cultural moment in terms of, like, the Kanye West. And so, you know, not 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 asking about the situation, but how was it the first time hearing it? And what were you thinking? Because it's like, it's not normal that, you know, Kanye West is dropping right. the name. I mean, it's kind of like an urban legend when you when you hear it because I didn't drive 90 miles. <laughs> you know what I mean? I drove 10 minutes, uh, but I was in Santa Barbara that day and it kind of transpired and I drew from my play. I went back to to my place in the, uh, I just say hi, what happened? So I'm not gonna tell you what. So I was at training camp with the Grizzlies and um, I had went out to Memphis early workout and we came back to Santa Barbara for a training camp and I hadn't seen the twins in a couple of weeks. So I told, you know, my ex, y'all bring the boys down. 
I'll get you a room. I'm going to see them last day of training camp. And then I got to go back to Memphis. We got the, I think we got Saturday off. So I asked the coach like, yo, can I go back to LA and I'll fly. I'll be back for practice on Monday or Sunday, whenever the fuck it was. He's like, yeah, no problem. So we drive back and I'm with my ex and the kids. And that's when everything kind of had transpired. And then uh, I went over and did what I had to do. Um, but after the fact, because again, at that time they're seven and you kind of start hearing things and, you know, obviously they were upstairs sleep and everything went down. But again, I would rather just, I mean, not giving them all the details because they don't need to know all the details, but just be real with them. Right. You know, I, mean? I just kind of feel like being real, even if it may be a little too early, I'd rather be real than sugarcoat shit because I'm just, I came, I came from just, I seen it all at an early age. So me handling that stuff with them and talking and them kind of asking questions without kind of disrespecting him because he's their stepdad now, yeah. you know, and as we were talking about off, off, yeah. off camera, like he's the head coach of their, at their high school now, you know what I mean? The, the kids are going to be playing for him and people are like, Oh, how do you feel? Like me and Derek been cool since like the following summer, like we mm -hmm. squashed the shit the following summer and he's been great, very present in their life, another father, you know? So to me, it's more like, yo, they were two men trying to raise two men, you know, yeah. regardless of the situation, we got past that part. So, you know, at the end of the day, it's 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 keeping it real with them. But again, not dis disrespecting the whole situation because it is. I don't want them to ever think it's okay to disrespect their mom or to disrespect him. Yeah. So um, it was, again, just some real-ass conversations. for, for yeah, that's, that's why I feel so comfortable with my boys because I've been giving them real shit for a long time. You know what I mean? And like I said, our, our job as parents is to game your kids as much as possible so when they're out on their own, you hope that they're going to make the right decisions because we're not going to be there with them. So... I've just given them a lot of real game and real life shit and real life situations for a long time. And now they're starting to come into their own and see these situations kind of manifest in front of them. And I just hope that myself and their mom and Derek and, and my fiance, and we've done, you know, as a village, we've done the best we can mm -hmm. for these kids. And do they listen to the pod, the boys? They do. That's, that's why up. they started their, that's how they started their little podcast yes. because, yes. you know, they were listening to mine and it's, Cause it's a huge gap, you know what I mean? But when we were able to throw huge names on there, like, oh, you know, Steph was on there or mm -hmm. Cove, you know, we did Cove's last interview yep. and they see the names and it kind of draws their attention. So that's kind of what got them the idea. We're like, well, should we want to do a podcast, dad? And, you know, we're in the second season of, uh, of the Barnes Boys podcast. So it's just like, you know, I want to, again, teach them, game them, learn, learn business, yep. get their first LLC. You know, yep. they're starting to get, you know, we're starting to get, uh, you know, brand deals for them. So it's just like, I want to be able to give them everything I didn't learn until my thirties. Yeah. And, and going back to, you know, uh, particularly that with the pot, the boys get to see how hard you work. Cause this yeah. is something that I, this is how I, this is when I became a really big fan of you in the pot. Like I, saw how hard you worked. Hey, it's a grind, bro. And I'm like, no, this dude's working. Yeah, it's like, a grind. This... And people think podcasts, and I don't know if they still look at it as like podcast, but like podcasts are taking over. You right. know, like I said before, like it's less the big machines and it's more how do you guys feel? How mm -hmm. do these other athletes feel? So it's a grind. And I think people at the beginning like kind of didn't understand what that grind was like. And, you know, again, that was a learning process. And as you guys know, it's hard, man, you know, for getting the talent you know, coming up and, and, and creating a, a, an environment where they feel comfortable enough to let their guard down and talk and being able to go back and forth. And then, you know, meeting demands as far as how many once a week has to drop or if we have an audio and a digital deal. So we had to do extra. So it's just, mm. you know, living up to everything. But it's it, it's fun because it, it, it's been a learning process and, and, and we've learned, but also inspired others. So um, it's been fun, you know, to be able to inspire, you know, guys, 
you know, that, that are put in work like you guys, but then also inspire the kids to want to do it as well. You sit down, you know, you say when you learn, that's where innovation comes from. Does that open your mind and where you can take it next? So when you're sitting there and like, yo, this is the first time I ever told this story. And you're mm-hmm. like, out of all the people they know, yeah. they never told that to her. You're right. like, yo, I might be in this, you know, tapping yeah. into something crazier, pause deeper. Yeah, <laughs> we got, you know, I mean, it, it, it's been a blessing, you know, you know, Jack's branched off into to, to doing boxing now, you know, I'm doing pregame, postgame, color and basketball and, and, and traveling around the world to speak. And so it's branched off into, um, you know, a lot of different sectors. And, you know, to me, the challenge for me is how do we continue to raise the bar? How do we continue to learn from our, 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 our brothers in the space? But how do we continue to kind of push the charge forward. So, I mean, that's, you know, the, the, the challenging, but fun thing to think about, you know, we're, we're, we're in the last year of our situation, um, with Paramount Showtime. So, you know, there's some conversations there about, you know, what's next, but, you know, just continuing to put out great content first and foremost, uh, you know, start traveling and doing shows, uh, live shows, and just, you know, being more interactive with our fans, you know, letting fans come behind the scenes and learn the game, you know, give them contests to do, to just be more interactive. And, um, you know, that's part of just, you know, continuing to try to elevate. I think, you know, I'll double back on, you know, the same reason why people hate you playing against you, but they love you as a teammate. Like, Matt tried to kill me <laughs> when he played I? for the Clippers. Did I? What like, I tried to do? Goodness gracious. So, I don't know. I, you got to tell the... the <laughs> you got to flavor You got to tell the On you? Sixers practice story, too. Oh, okay, we'll get oh, that. Oh, yeah, you were there. I don't... You were a baby. No, you were your... Was that your rookie year or second year? Mo Cheeks, my when I was, I Yeah, I don't fuck I, with Mo Cheeks I, at I, all. I, no, no, but they always told that story and it's always yeah. like, yeah, but at the same time... He was on some ill shit. I'm... Yeah, that's... So, I'll go back. So, when you were playing with the Clippers, like if you go on YouTube, there's a Matt Barnes versus Andre Iguodala. Uh, you just type that in. I didn't know Clippers that. versus Warriors. Check it out. And you were killing, and I was killing, because you know it's Blake Griffin, uh-huh. it's Chris Paul. Oh, there's a lot of big names. It's uh, it's Clay Thompson, mm-hmm. it's Steph Curry. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's 2014. This is right before you guys cracked. Yeah, this mm-hmm. is before, and so those were like the big names. But you and I, like whoever had the good game between you and I. That's who won. Mm-hmm. Oh, and we like, were the X you, Factors. You could miss. Right? And yeah. y'all end up winning in seven. Uh-huh. Right? And uh, that's the Sterling year, yeah. too. That was a Sterling year, too. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, the year was like, I was under the basket and I just felt my feet. Like, my feet. I could feel, I'm like, where am I going? And I just landed <laughs> on my back and I'm like, what the? But what? I threw you or elbowed you? What I do? Me. Did I? But I didn't even see you. I didn't know where you was at, but you was right next to me. But, you know, you in the NBA, so. I'm real know, handsy. We you all know tough what I mean? guys because, yeah. you know, the, the the referees, so you don't think nothing like, I'm like, right. what? I'm like, how did I just fall like this? And I looked out like, this, this nigga just crashed. Yeah, he just threw me on the ground. But, but it was funny because it's like, in the heat of the moment, like, I had like no reaction. Like, I'm going to kill him. Mm-hmm. And nothing like that. And and I, I rarely have any. It's only been one time I've really been mad at, a, at another player on the court. And I've been mad. I'm, mm-hmm. I wanted to whoop a ref more than anybody. But um, you got a flagrant. And uh, I'm going to go find the flagrant. I, 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 I think we ended up winning that game. But after the game, one of my guys hit me was like, yo, what's up? What's good with Matt Barnes? <laughs> and I was like, I'm like, uh, no, nah, I've been in games where guys have like thrown a bow at me and it's kind of like setting a message and it's like how you react to it. And I was like, I really didn't take it personal. But it's funny because when we became teammates, 
like we always were on the same page yeah. on the court. Like Fingers. we had crazy chemistry. Yeah, like uh, he, 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 I knew where you were at. You knew where I were at, and yeah. we like the fourth and fifth yeah. options. Yeah. But still, we were the ones making the plays, which is, yeah. is really funny. But you should check that out. Yeah, I, I definitely need to. I mean, and and to to go back, so that I wanted to know what you guys thought during that Sterling shit because you know, obviously, this is before you guys take off and become a dynasty. Like, not where we were big brothers because we didn't really accomplish it, but we were just kind of one of the top teams in the uh, Western Conference, Lob City. And that was the last season. You know, I think in the middle of the series, um, the Donald Sterling shit comes out. Everyone in the world's telling us we need to sit out and fuck this. And you're working for a white man that doesn't fuck with you. And I'm thinking a lot of you work for white people that don't fuck with you. So I'm not, you know what I mean? Keep it real. Um, so we didn't know what we want. So we thought about sitting out. And then we heard that you and Steph were talking like, what were your guys' thoughts? Were you guys kind of playing off what we were going to do? Were you guys ready to do whatever? I think our thought in the locker room was, bro, if we sit out and, and, and boycott this shit, like, does that mean we're like, we're the two seed I think does that mean that we're, we can't move on to the, to, the, to the second round like how many games do we sit are they going to fire this motherfucker right away how long do we have to sit out so I think the unknown is kind of what kept us from doing what we did but what were you guys thinking hey there it's Matt Norlander with the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast and yes we are in the thick of the college hoop season our pod runs at least three times a week and covers everything you need to know from the power conference team to the mid-majors the scoops, the stories, game predictions, previews, huge recaps, everything. We cover it all. To find us, search Ion College Basketball Podcast wherever you get your pods. My, our thought was, my, right, off, right off the bat, I'm thinking, whatever they doing, we doing it. Okay. Because there's no way we taking a win. Like, we just, we competitors like that. We ain't taking no W. And so we're thinking the same thing. Like, man, if we go out here and play, they can call us some sellouts. And, you know, like, you know me. I'm like, I can't wait to stand up for something, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and, uh, but at the same time, it was like, but at the same time, it's like, you know, if they want to play because, you know, they they feel like, yeah. you know, it, we it's, like it's, it was what we felt like we had one of the best teams. In the yeah, league. it's bigger than yeah. Donald Sterling too. Mm-hmm. Like it's bigger it than that. It was never about him. Right, and so it's like, listen, if they want to compete and play, like, yeah, we, so it was really like, we, whatever they All doing, we supporting we that. shouldn't have played. Y'all beat the dog shit out of us that game. Y'all beat us by like 30 that game, but. Yeah, that was interesting because we really we did the unknown, and I think what what kept us from moving forward. And by the way, there's a show coming out on FX either the end of this year or during the playoffs next year called The Sterling Affairs, where they reenact yeah, yeah, that whole yeah. thing. So that'll be uh, yeah, there's a 30, really 30, 30 for thirty Ramona Sherborne. Yeah, so she, Ramona she, she Sherborne spoke is, to me about that's that. That's how that was born. Yeah. that's how the whole situation. Yeah, that's how yeah, the show yeah, was born. Yeah, she yeah. brought me on as an EP. Yeah. Um, no, and after that, and after that game seven. You remember what happened after that game seven? Wasn't there, see, I was out on the court still. Someone tried to fight Chris or fuck Chris up? No, there was another tunnel situation, but ours was first. Game seven, y'all win uh, at Staples, and we're in a locker room. And uh, obviously, y'all locker room was at the end. And one of, y'all assistant, one of y'all assistant coaches was yelling down the hall, talking crazy. Oh, really? Like, yeah. You know who take it was? Take that. I, we, we don't know who that. We don't know. Uh-huh. They know who it was. The, okay. Our coaches knew who it was, but it was one of the assistants. I don't, I don't know the guy. Like, I never heard his name. Like, I ain't know him. So he's just yelling, yeah, take that, take that. Like, he yelling from the hallway. Motherfucker, you didn't even do nothing. Right, but none of us, the players, we just chilling. But Steph was mad. Oh, really? You know Steph don't, get, don't mad. get mad. right. And Steph was like, what? Who? Uh, hold on, what? He opened the door and go down there. I'm like, oh, no, Steph riding out. Like, yeah. I'm behind him. Like, yeah, I ain't got no choice. So Steph walked down there. He walked in the locker room because it's like a cold tub right there. Yeah, yeah. And I never seen it. And I'm like, it's like, Steph, you just going to walk in the locker room? He was like, and so we saw Austin. And Austin kind of like froze up like, 
Like, I'm like, Austin, we ain't finna jump you. <laughs> like, we don't, we don't move like that. We might. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, and they family now. It was just right, funny. Right. But uh, Steph was like, yo, Austin, like, yo, man, come on, man. Like, have some respect on taking the win. Like, right. y'all won. Like, it's cool. He was like, he was like, what you mean? He was like, yo, somebody was just yelling down the hall talking crazy. Like, come on, dog. Like, that was disrespectful. And Austin was like, nah, I don't, I don't, I don't know what y'all talking about. And we knew it wasn't Austin. Right, right. But I think we... Steph probably knew Austin knew who did it. It was mm -hmm. one of the coaches, and he was just like, no, nah, fam. He was like, come on, dog. Like, just tell whoever that was. Like, come on, man. Be respectful. Right. That ain't right, cool. Right. So we, I grabbed Steph, and we walked back to the locker room. A couple other guys came down. I was like, it's all good. Like, mm -hmm. we went back to the locker room. And then before you know it, I think it was Big Baby or something. Somebody was like, yo, y'all talking shit? And so now, y'all, like, eight dudes come out of y'all locker room, and then all of us come out of the locker room. So it's like, from here to that wall, it's like some space. But we looking at y'all, y'all looking at us, and all I remember was Big Baby, Glenn Davis. His eyes like went like this way. Like one went this way, the other one went this that way. That white phone started coming <laughs> yeah, out the he corner started, of his mouth. He looked crazy. He was yeah. like, I'll kill you, Jermaine O'Neal. <laughs> like, Jay would have had nothing to do with nothing, but <laughs> I was just like, he was like, I'll kill you. <laughs> and then it was just like, I hey, can't man, believe. Y'all go back that way and we could go. It was crazy. I can't believe that happened and I wasn't there. That is, is the craziest part about yeah, it because I should have been in the mix. Yeah, you it know was what insane. I mean? But I, yeah, I, I remember hearing, I didn't get that much in depth. That, that's the full story that I, I haven't heard. But yeah, I remember hearing about it. I just didn't know what was true and what wasn't true. But that was interesting. Well, looking back from that series and, you know, finishing up the Dino Sterling situation and we're years removed and everything that happened since then, like playing like Monday morning quarterback with. Would you guys have done something? Yeah, I think we would have. You know, if we could have been on the same page, if we could have been on the same page with them, I definitely some sort of. You know, that's powerful. Like not playing a playoff game. You know what I mean? That that would have been powerful with the up and coming. Who you know who was next? Or Chris and Paul we, was there too. Yeah, and we thought that you know we had a chance to win a championship that year. Um, I think it would have been very powerful to be able to sit back. But then, you know. I mean, I faced so much real racism in my life. Like the KKK nearly burned my high school down, and 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 put a green light on my head and tried to kill me. I had to move when I was in high school that when that Sterling shit came out, like to me, it, he, I knew he said some shit he shouldn't have said. And obviously it was in a, in, a, in, a, in a racial tone, but it wasn't that big of a deal to me because the, like, like I said, when I was trying to be funny, when people turned to what tells what do, like he's not the only owner that thinks like that. He's just the only one dumb enough to get, you know, get caught recording he with, just mad his girl. you know, some bum ass mistress. You know, mad his girl. Yeah. And hey, she, hey, hey, she's a whole new star. Like, yeah. She thought she owned the stable center. She was such a train wreck, bro. She thought that his little chick thought that she was the next thing and this is my team and my arena and we see her sitting there and Shelly sitting there. I'm like, damn, Sterling, you a cold motherfucker, boy. You know, like he was out here doing some shit, but it was just, it was such a circus, but it was just like, you know, and I say with all due respect, like our team was almost circus-ish. You know, like we had so much talent, but there were so many egos there that we couldn't get out of our own way. And that kind of leads me to when I was blessed with the opportunity to come fuck with you guys right before I was done. I'm just like... You look at all these superstars from KD to Steph to Clay to Draymond on the rise to then super solid vets like yourself and 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 Dot and 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 David West, rock star head coach. And at least while I was there, there was no egos. You know, what I mean, everyone left that shit at the door. And and getting a chance to be on a team that talented, where it's just about winning, I was like, damn, if the world can understand 
to me, that's the secret of why you guys won because you guys, you know, up into that little crack with KD kind of slowed things down, but you guys got back on track. But that environment is second to none, you know, from ownerships doing everything you need. All you have to do is go out there and play basketball the way you guys love and fuck with each other. Like that's not normal. And I was telling like players after that summer, I was talking to Ian and some of them guys just like, yo, don't take this shit for granted, bro. Cause I've been around this league for 15 years. This shit is not like this. Uh, but coming to playing with you guys was Amazing. I was just heartbroken because, I mean, obviously I came in when KD sprained his knee and came in right away, was playing, you know, 18, 22 minutes. And like I clicked right away with you guys because I always was a thinker. And I just like, yo, if I ever got a chance to go to Golden State, I'll eat there because it's so simple. You know what I mean? And, you know, I got hurt the game. KD came back and it was like probably my worst ankle sprain of my life. So I kind of had to just sit there and be a vet and talk to guys and support and, and kind of got a front row seat. But that was kind of one of the hardest experiences of my life because it was probably one of the best. But the fact that I was hurt and I didn't get to earn that ring. Like I felt like I felt like my body of work of the, the years I put in the league got that ring. But I'm, you know, me, I'm similarly, I'm a competitor. Like I wanted to be out there guarding Kawhi and LeBron and all these other motherfuckers that I know I could have helped with. And not being healthy and having to sit and watch that shit was hard, bro. For sure. For sure. And I've always thought about this too, because Evan just spoke to it in your success post career. And uh, I remember one time, you know, I always look up guys, like I go to Basketball Reference a lot, basketballreference.com, and just look at guys like history, like, you know, what's their best years, points, uh, field goal percentage, three-point percentage. And, uh, you know, I spoke about this before when we were with the Clippers, like you, you win a couple games, you just didn't miss from three. And I remember I, I was your teammate in Philly first. <laughs> and when you got there, it was – it was an incident where it was like, don't shoot the ball. <laughs> so, um, you know, like, I didn't know what type of game you had in terms of shooting. You know, college is college and, you know, you see guys, but in the league, it could be a little different with guys. With, like, what's your yeah, role? Right. And so, uh, and I and I, I never spoken on this. Uh, we talk about, you know, never speaking on something. It's, yeah. Maybe it's just you and your presence, but... Um, and then you made us pay for it when you got traded to go to state. But yeah. kind of like, you know, Evan wants to hear that story from you. So I got, I'm got i a throw-in in this trade uh, when C-Webb goes to um, to, to Philly mm -hmm. to play, uh, to trade. So first from of SAC, all, yep. Webb had a no-trade clause. So I'm this is my going to G League, the first part of my, and then I get picked up by the Clippers, have a good year. They're ready to give me like a two-year whatever the deal was. But this is right when SAC is popping and they're going against the, the Lakers. And I'm from SAC, but I'm a Laker fan. And, and Webb was always like, him and Jay Will were my big homies. So every summer I'd work out with them. So I say all that to say, I skipped the two-year deal with the Clippers and played for the uh, Kings because that was my hometown team. Uh, at Right before All-Star break, they want to trade Webb. And I was like, how, how the fuck are you going to trade Webb? He had a no-trade clause, but we were just at pack for this long road trip. And, and, and we're at this strip club, and we found out we get traded. And Webb has still the power to veto it because he has a no-trade clause. And he's like, he was heartbroken. He's like, after all I've done for this organization, the fact that they would trade, like, would trade me and not even really give me no ins and outs about it, they don't want me, fuck it, we're leaving. And I'm hoping he's going to veto the trade because I'm at the crib. I'm like, come on, bro, what the fuck? So anyway, long story short, we end up going to Philly. First year, we had Jim Jim O'Brien. First year was Jim O'Brien. That big motherfucker looked like Beavis and Butthead. Um, he was the coach, and I just wasn't feeling his fake-ass Rick Pitino arrogant energy. So I just kind of – I didn't say – you know, obviously I'm not saying that. I'm still trying to make the league. Next year, uh, I come back, and we got Mo Cheeks. And, again, I'm trying to find a spot. This is – was you and – 
Kyle's second year? Yeah, my second year, Kyle Culver's third year. And then Lou Will was a rookie, right? Remember that one time we got him to drink all those beers on the bus before we went to the plane and we had to carry So that's another story. (laughs) But uh, so anyway, it's like I'm not really in the rotation, so I'm not someone who's going to speak. It's early on in my career. So I I hired Chris Weber, shooting coach Buzz, and I'm constantly before or after practice working on my shot, working on my shot. I'm not getting minutes. So, you know, whenever I'm in practice, I try to go hard. So I remember it was like a three on two. Uh, someone threw me a pass. I knocked. I made the shot, and Mo Cheeks stops practice. Like, you don't. What are you doing, young man? <laughs> what are you doing? I'm just like, oh shit. I thought I just made it. You don't do that here. And then it's just really kind of like I'm all for being coached. I came from a dad that yelled. I played football. I'm all for you coaching me if you feel like you need to yell at me. But I felt like he crossed the line and like was trying to be funny because I kind of always felt like he was in a transition from still being one of the leaders or funny guys in the locker room to being a coach. I always felt, because I remember the time that AI told him in D.C., nigga, just because you got the suit jacket on don't make you a coach. Like, I kind of felt like Mo Cheeks was stuck in, like, a weird spot. But he tried to target me that one day, and I just like, yeah, I'm all for you doing this, but I really feel like this is disrespectful. So rewind that. Maybe two weeks before that, I'm in the gym with the shooting coach, and, and Mo comes in laughing. I don't know why you're doing. I don't know why you're getting all these extra shots. We're going to shot. You're not going to shoot here. And me and the shooting coach just kind of looked at it. I shook my head and didn't say nothing. He kind of laughed and walked by. So this was the second incident. So it was, ah. so this is the second time where he tried to bust me out in practice. Like a week or two later, I wanted to whoop his ass. So I charged after him. I don't know if it was Webb or Mark Jackson or someone like grabbed me, but I was gonna whoop Mo's ass that day. Period, plain and period, I probably would have been kicked out the league and I probably would have never really got a chance to get running. So that next year is when I go to that We Believe Golden State team. Mm-hmm. And I told Nelly, I'm just like, yo, I don't fuck with this dude at all. I kind of briefly gave him the cliff notes of how he dogged me out there. He's like, yeah, as long as you're in foul trouble, go. It's like, as long as, you're not, as long as you don't get in foul trouble, I'll play you as long as you can play. He lets me go. I hit my first shot and most, first shot, I didn't even say nothing. First shot I hit, oh, that shit was lucky. Next shot I hit, oh, that shit was lucky too. So now like, I end up going like, Six for seven yeah, from the three-point line, like that. nine for 11 from the field. And every time I made a basket, man, suck my dick, bitch ass. Like, I went off on him so much no, that, bro, like, I heard it. bro, the whole bench, the trainers, everyone, because everyone knew how he dogged me in, in the year before. So I was – and he was the one that, like, poked me to start this game. Like, I wouldn't even say nothing to do. I, I didn't like him, but I wasn't – it's not my place to really disrespect another coach. Um, you know, it's a new season. Fuck what you was talking about. I'm not with you no more. But it got to a point where he was talking shit to me. And I remember every single shot I hit, I only missed two shots. I think I was like nine for 11, 26, 27 points. Every shot, it was fuck you, sucked it. Like I was like, that's how, but these dudes were dying laughing. Like every, you'd see the assistant coaches giggling, the trainers giggling, the players are busting up. They don't even care. Like Webb and AI were going, laughing their asses off. But yeah, that was my... Mo Cheek's story, man, because it was it was heartbreaking, too, because I looked up. I mean, Mo, Mo's a legend in this game. Like, I looked up to Mo and then getting a chance to play for him, like, oh, you're a bitch. <laughs> Straight up. <laughs> Straight up. No, I, I was there. But, but one thing I also noticed is, you know, there's always those guys that, you know, like Kavon, Kavon Looney falls into this category, I feel like. They always get the short end of the stick on their contracts. And I always feel like you were one of the guys. And, like, Lou Williams, we always talk about, he was – 20-point career score and never made over 10 million in the, in the league in one year, like never. And, you know, now that you're having the success that you're having right now, you know, what type of advice would you give to guys like that that always seem to be like, you know, 
the glue guys always get the short end of the stick, you know? So how do you go about it with understanding, too, that winning will put you in position to yeah, make it when, up on and, the back and, end? And I think, Dre, that's what, that, what, what fucked me up is because I'd always take less money from a team that could possibly win than more money from a bad team because I wanted to win. And I think I got that. And, and one of my OGs told me this a while, maybe 10 years into my career. He's like, bro, you've turned down. In, in maybe two or three deals close to combined maybe 17 million just to go to a teams that you know you can possibly win because I'm to the thinking if you win everybody eats and that's where I'll be seen because I'm always a you can say what you want I played for seven eight teams but I was always a starter or first two guys off the bench my whole entire career um so I just I, I think they put a stereotype on me that Matt will be there at the end and we can get him for the vet minimum you know what I mean because again every single team I went to I was either the starter or and took people's jobs and made a ton more money than me, or I was one, you know, six or seven guy coming off the bench. So just keep grinding, you know what I mean? And, and at the same time, you know, Dre, the way I looked at it is I felt like I was definitely underpaid, but I had the respect of the guys I played with. Yeah. You know what I mean? That was my main thing. It was, you know, the, the media. That's why I don't give a fuck about what the media says or fans say. Like, I had the respect of guys that I went up, uh, first of all, my teammates, because that was the most important to me, but the guys I went to battle against every single night, you know, that's the same reason why, you know, Kobe recruited me. You know, like he calls me and tells me to come play with him in L.A. So my whole thing was I definitely felt like I was underpaid, but, you know, the respect from my peers is what somewhat balanced that shit out. Well, out of all your stats, what was your favorite team? And like most, I think most there's like three, three or four teams that stand out. And, um, you know, I say over my journey, man, I played for eight teams in, in, in 15 years that I got a chance to play with a lot of great players and, and future Hall of Famers. You know, when you look at I played with Webb and I played with AI, I played with um, Steph, Clay, that Warrior team. I played with Lob City and Chris Paul and Blake, and I played with Kobe, and I played with the older Shaq. I played with MVP Steve Nash, Amari Style. Like I played with a lot of dope ass players. But probably my favorite stops for all different reasons were Golden State both times. Um, I think being on that We Believe team, making NBA history, and then coming back ten years later and having the opportunity to see what that team was like was unbelievable. The Clipper, the Lob City team, you know, we were the, the Clippers have been a doormat for so long. Like we took a lot of pride in being down the hall and we used to beat the dog shit out of the Lakers back then. That was kind of one of their low points. But playing on that, those teams where we, you know, we were trying to hang our first banner. We won our first Pacific Division title in, in, in franchise history. And like I said, we had a really good team, but too many egos that butted heads and kind of kept us from taking that next step. And then the Lakers um, getting a chance to play, you know, knowing Kobe for so many years and kind of just being competitors to being able to have him recruit me to the team and going from teammates to like real life brothers um, was an amazing experience and just really getting a chance to peel back, you know, his layers and seeing him as a, a teammate, as a man, as a father, as a businessman and just soaking up a lot of game from him. So I'd probably say those three teams in no particular order, but Golden State, the Clippers and the Lakers. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, we appreciate you pulling up, man. Yeah. Inspiring us, you know, uh, and like you said, with the knuckleheads, uh, Q Rich and D Miles, you know, at the forefront of athletes having their voice speaking out. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens to uh, the old media space, yeah. you know, with the athletic and, you know, you know, what's going on there and, you know, uh, what's going on at ESPN yeah. at the same time. And, Best of luck with everything, all your endeavors, man. Hopefully you don't have to uh, hang anybody over the balcony to get nah, the deal done as nah. the, as the, the, uh, the podcast death row. <laughs> I'm joking. But um, no, man, you dropping mad knowledge on us. Uh, continued success that I'm pretty sure you will have. And, uh, you know, we rooting for you.
Without a ball, it's just a court. And without your spirit, it's only a game. So, together with the fans, we bring our best. For your next pregame, let's share a twist on a classic. The Hennessy Margarita. A squeeze of fresh lime juice and a bit of agave syrup. Topped off with ice and a salted rim. Mix it, shake it, pour it. And enjoy the spirit of the NBA. Hennessy. Without your spirit, it's only a game. 21 and older, please drink responsibly. 